0: Welcome to Inspired Churches podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's word, grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teaching or to donate to the ministry, visit us at inspiredchurches.com. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 8, and we are going to read verses 21 through chapter 9 verses 2 and we'll do it in a couple of segments so if you want to turn there with me you can if you want to follow along we will definitely have them for you here on the screen now Isaiah chapter 8 21 through 22 reads like this they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their face upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. Now you go over to chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses 1-2 in a moment, but let me just say this. This is the juxtaposition of their moments. While experiencing a time of great despair, the prophet will interrupt their dark moment with good news of Israel's greatest joy. Here it is in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And I'm going to skip to verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. Chapter nine anticipates the birth and ministry of a great light. But chapter 8 explains why we need this great light in the first place. You can't get to the light in 9 until you understand the darkness of 8. It's in chapter 8 that the prophet describes the current conditions of Israel. Listen to how he describes them. He describes their current condition as distressed. He describes their current condition as hungry, full of gloom and full of anguish. And they were angry with God because of their current circumstances. I wonder if anyone in here today can relate with being angry with God because of your current circumstances. But here's what I want you to remember. It's true. They were experiencing these difficult times as a result of God's discipline. But his discipline was the result of their rejection of him and their decision to place their trust in foreign powers instead of him. Now, I don't just think this is an Old Testament Israel issue. I think this is very much how humanity typically responds to God. We find ways to doubt And reject him on the front end only to become angry and blame him for the results of our disobedience on the back end. Let me just say this again. I I don't think this is just an Old Testament Israel problem. I think this is typically how man responds to God. We find ways to doubt and reject him on the front end only to become angry and blame him for the results of our disobedience on the back end. Now, this is important. In this story, dark times expose two kinds of Israelites. In this story, dark times exposes two different kinds of Israelites. If you're taking notes, here's what... here's the two different types of Israelites exposed by dark times a faithful remnant and a rebellious majority let me tell you about the faithful remnant which simply means the faithful few the faithful remnant are characterized by their trust in God and commitment to keep his word even while waiting and enduring in seasons of darkness Let me say it to this side. The faithful remnant are characterized by their trust in God and and commitment to his word. Even while waiting and enduring seasons of darkness. The rebellious majority are characterized by spiritual blindness and anger with God. As a result, are you ready? They abandon God's word and look to other sources for comfort in times of waiting and darkness. The rebellious majority are characterized by spiritual blindness and anger with God. As a result, they abandon God's word and they look to other sources for comfort While waiting in seasons of darkness. In fact chapter 8. Verse 19 through 20. Tells us. That this rebellious majority will turn to mediums. And occult practices for answers. They will seek to converse with the dead. Chapter 8 will finish by telling us. They will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness. The rebellious majority will place their confidence in man-made resources and will look to godless experts of their day for guidance and comfort. And again, as we build this sermon series off, today might be a little dark, but that's because today we're focusing on darkness as we progress towards the light of Christ's coming. And I want you to hear this out, even though it's Christmas and even though the light of Christ has already come, we still find ourselves in similar circumstances today. The presence of suffering and sorrow still cause many to look to the earth rather than to heaven for their already secured comfort in Christ. In other words, humanity is always striving to try and fix itself. In other words, there's a temptation when it becomes dark for us to seek comfort from resources and relief from places other than God. And so let me just explain to you how I believe humanity tries to fix itself today. Number one, some of us look to religion and spirituality to find some kind of peace. Only to find out that man-made religion is simply empty morality. It has no power to save you. And it ultimately just becomes a system of endless traditions and regulations. All it is is a Sunday morning attending a service. And it may feel good for a while, but after a while, it gets tough. Because you looked at religion, you looked at it as a, as a work system. You tried to find relief salvation and salvation in just doing traditions. Which is why many of you and many of your friends are this religion by tradition, but they don't practice what they preach. So, when someone asks you, hey, what religion are you? You say Christian, but you're not really connected to Christ. That's because you've been duped into thinking Christianity is a moralistic religion. No wonder why you don't practice it. It's so empty, it has no power to save you. And then there's spirituality, which swings the pendulum, doesn't it? I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Spirituality swings the pendulum to the opposite extreme, and here's what it does. It offers you liberty with no accountability. And so man tends to look to religion and spirituality to find peace. We think that we can answer all life's questions, maybe through education and scholarship, But even with the so-called enlightenment of the 18th century, mankind is finding that we are just as dark and just as evil as any other period of time in history. What an arrogant statement for us to say that we are in the age of enlightenment, as if every age before us was just just submerged in darkness And to think that we are any more light than any other point in period of time in history is a completely false and arrogant statement to make. We look to religion and spirituality. We look to education and scholarship. We look to science and technology. Science and technology have become another kind of savior, offering much-needed solutions for many of our daily problems. Can you hear me out? Although self-driving cars can solve my commute problem, it won't transform my heart. And although science can try and explain how I got here, it will never be able to tell me why I am here. Science can measure and science can observe and it can tell you how a thing works, but it can't tell you why. Science can look at a tea kettle and it can tell you that when you put it on a pot and the pot begins in the pot and you put it under the heat and the heat begins to burn at this particular degree that the water molecules begin to move. And all of a sudden, what was once cold can become hot. It can tell you how it works, but it can't tell you why I'm thirsty. I put on some tea. Science can tell you how, but it can't tell you why. Besides. Science, unguided by moral principle, gave us the Holocaust. I was with Andy last Monday. It felt like last Monday. It was probably this Monday. It's Andy and my sister, and we went with him to his doctor's appointment. And then the doctor looked at us, and I was we were with his wife as well. When the doctor looked at us and asked if we had any questions. Regarding his treatment, my sister began to ask him about different types of dietary restrictions and even brought up some holistic treatments and treatment centers that might help cure the cancer. You know, when you get hit with news like this, you're willing to do anything. And if anybody knows my sister, she began to plan right away. She had this whole plan set up. We're going to collect money. We're going to fly him to Tijuana. It's going to detox. There's this whole center there. Some of you are laughing, but some of you have heard of this and thought about this. Now, when she said this, at the time, his response was borderline rude. He sneered at my sister, and in a small profanity-laced tirade told her, stop listening to Dr. Google. I started to laugh, and we kind of giggled as we realized, for every expert that says one thing, you'll find another expert that contradicts that thing. I remember my dad used to make me laugh because he would say, well, they used to say coffee was good for you. Now it's bad for you. They used to say this was good for you. Now it's bad for you. Which one is it? Every 20 years, it changes. What was once good for you was bad for you. What was bad for you was good for you. And all of a sudden, round and round, we go. Isn't that amazing? All our incredibly advanced access to information has done some great things, but at the end, all it's done is create a world full of confirmation bias. Even in our politics, all we have to do is search for the information that agrees with us, and we'll find a so-called expert to validate us. Never before in the history of time have I been able to tell you what kind of person someone is by what news channel they watch. Some of you youngsters may have heard, Mo' Money, more Problems. I think it's true for technology, too. We seem to be really good at solving one problem, but in the midst of solving that problem, it creates another one. We have beautiful technology. I'm reading this book called Tech Wise Family, and it talks about how technology can destroy your family and your children and how they're hooked on these things. You actually see some of our kids, their temperament is changing because they're expecting these quick results, and we have impatient children getting angry quickly because they're used to getting instant access to things. Tech Wise Family, you should look that up. I may even do a sermon series on that because I feel like it's so profound. But we seem to be really good at solving one problem while creating another problem in the process. Humanity always strives to fix himself. He looks to religion and spirituality, education and scholarship, science and technology. And finally, if he can't fix the pain he's okay with soothing it with immorality or medicating it with substance abuse. After all, temporary pleasure helps us escape from our reality, even if it's only for a moment and costs us our life in the process. If man can't solve it, he'll soothe it. No doubt in my mind, there are many of you in here today that are struggling with alcohol abuse. There's no doubt in my mind that there are some of you in here today Can't go a couple of nights without being sober. There's no doubt in my mind that some of you here today are struggling with sexual immorality. All things the scripture has clearly spoken against. There's no doubt in my mind that some of you are struggling with some kind of substance. Pornography addiction and all of these things really are deeper. Those are the symptoms of pain that are deeper. This is what the earth provides. The people looked to the earth and all they found was more what distress and darkness. And this is the central message. This is the central message of the earth. Even though we are in darkness, we can fix ourselves. This is the central message of earth. Even though we are in darkness, we can fix ourselves. We can end darkness with intellect and innovation. We have the light within us so we can overcome the darkness. Let me say that again. This is what the earth preaches. I'll say this over and over again because I think some of us partner with that worldview maybe more than we like to think. This is what the worldview tells us, that even though we are in darkness, we can fix ourselves. We can end darkness with intellect and innovation. We have the light within us so we can overcome the darkness. In his book, Hidden Christmas, Tim Keller quotes the New York Times, and then he quotes the first president of the Czech Republic, and the president's name was Vaclav Havel. He says this, many years ago in an ad in the New York Times, I read, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph. And that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us. We can overcome poverty. We can overcome injustice. We can overcome violence and evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. But can we really? Can we really? He goes on to juxtapose that New York Times quote with the quote of the president who said this pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself nor is democracy alone enough the president continued only a turning to and a seeking of god is needed the human race constantly forgets he adds he is not god and he cannot save himself So I want to finish today's message with something that I opened up with Christmas is not optimistic like the commercials that just want you to buy Christmas does not say Merry Christmas everything is right in the world nor is Christmas a bitter pessimist that declares there's no room for celebration because we're all doomed but Christmas is the reality that does not deny the truth Yes, things are bad. Yes, we can't save ourselves. Yes, we can't heal ourselves. Nevertheless, there is hope. A people in deep darkness has seen a great light. As we enter into the season of Advent, we're going to get ready to end in worship as we enter into the season of advent you might hear those words what is advent it might be new to you advent just simply means coming as we enter into the season of advent here's what i want you to do in the next several weeks as the christmas chaos ensues i want you to take two looks i want you to take two looks as christians on this side of the new testament the first look is a look back and we look back and we celebrate at the coming of our Comforter. We celebrate the coming of our King. We look back the celebrating of the coming of the Messiah that Israel longed for. What they longed for, we now see. We take a look back at the light of the world. Yeah. But we also enter into that same waiting. And that same longing for Messiah. That the ancient faithful remnant of Israel entered into we don't just take a look back but during christmas we also look ahead because that messiah who came as a baby will come again as a king we will not only take a look back at the inauguration of the kingdom of god but we will also look forward to the day messiah returns and makes all things new until then, we are in a moment of in-between in which we celebrate the joy of our salvation, but we still walk through an earth filled with deep darkness. And in Christ, we have been called to be a faithful remnant, trusting, waiting, longing, and obeying. I have one request before we dismiss, and it's 1105. I have one request before we dismiss. Can we enter into a moment of worship? And while we worship, can we look back at Christ? And can we long for him to return together? Can we look at Christ? Can we look back at him? And can we long for him to return together? I implore you, put your phone down. I implore you right now, put what you have to do next down. Put what's coming next down. I implore you, will you enter in with those that are suffering right now? Will you enter in with those that are longing for something greater right now? And will you look back and glorify the fact that Christ is coming? Will you look ahead to a day when he comes back and makes all things new? Chances are, if you're in this room, things aren't what they're supposed to be. The good news is that the darkness of chapter 8 is interrupted by the light of chapter 9. The good news is that darkness gets interrupted. And the good news is that this interruption of light is a divine light. It's a light that is otherworldly. It doesn't come from within, but it comes down to us and it stoops low. It comes from the throne of heaven and it comes into a manger. And the good news is, because of that, you and I, we don't have to save ourselves. We don't have to work. We don't have to strive we don't have to do a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts to feel better about our life we have to put our faith and hope and trust in jesus who is the perfect one the perfect one so the good news of the gospel this week is to stop working so hard stop striving stop trying to reach something that you can't reach stop trying to save something that you can't save christ has saved you through his blood and through his mercy, and through his grace. And let me tell you something. All we have to do is respond to the beauty of that. Your one job is not to keep every rule in the scriptures. Your one job in worship is to respond to the gospel. It says in grief, there's hope. In sorrow, there's hope. In death, there is hope christ resurrected those of us who put our faith in him we will resurrect too so we don't even have to fear death so father i pray a gospel prayer over everyone in this room but especially those who feel far from you And they're measuring their relationship with you based on a list of do's and don'ts. Father, I pray right now that a spirit of love and joy and worship would come over them. And as a result, repentance would come not from a place, Lord. Repentance would come from a place of love, from a place of delight, from a place of desire, not from a place of obligation. So I just pray the prayer of the gospel over everyone in this room whether we are new to this thing or we are we're a veteran to this christianity thing we will never stop preaching the gospel and we thank you that darkness has been interrupted by light and we look forward to the next couple of sundays we begin to understand the true meaning of this interruption so father i bless Everyone here today, and again, I say a prayer over the Gonzalez family this morning and all of those who are entering into their pain and their, and their anxiety. God, I pray peace that passes all understanding. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we declare your hope and your joy and your healing, your mercy, God. In Jesus, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen amen and amen have a beautiful sunday don't forget to reflect on jesus through the month of december and we'll see you next sunday god bless you guys